0: welcome to episode two of a new sports and life based podcast i'm your host colin carter and today we're going to be talking about all things horse racing and also our guest today has recently started working as a sports trader so i'm looking forward to picking his brain in in relation to how bookies formulate handicaps and pricing so i know we all back ourselves as as men who can beat the bookies, you're very welcome on the podcast, Jake. Thanks, William, for coming on.
1: Cheers, Collie. I enjoyed um, the first episode, and hopefully, I can add something as well.
0: Yeah, definitely appreciate the support. Anyway, uh, so start off today. I've, I just have a few questions written down here. So, how was your uh, Christmas uh, period in terms of the horses? I was following a few, a um, few of the tipsters on Twitter, and it seems that the consensus was that like. It was a very like like a lot of the favourites were beaten in Leopardstown yeah, and definitely. and uh, like there was a lot of money essentially given or it lost two bookies over the Christmas. Yeah. So Jake, what were the main the main surprises for you?
1: Um, well, definitely I was up in Leopardstown on um, Stephen's Day. Um, two main races, and um, <coughs> actually are in Campton, funny enough. Um, with the King George being on and also the the Christmas Hurdle, um over there was running in the Christmas hurdle, um, he was sent on one to five, um, and was just chained on the line by um stablemate uh Verdana Blue, um. To be honest, like Barry Garrity riding, and um, I think he's kind of on the way out. Um,
0: so yeah, would you consider Barry Garrity being on a horse as a very negative ver- as a negative variable towards you backing up?
1: Uh well definitely this season and um, you can even see I think with uh, J P McManus who Gary would ride pretty much ninety percent of the stuff for um when the the big meetings are on Gary doesn't even get the pick of the top horses anymore it's kind of given to Mark Walsh and there's a ride there uh, Barry was on um in that uh the Champion Chase Trial Christmas um, in the same race as and Gary was on uh Bally and if you watch the replay there. He's kind of cruising up to two or three out um, on the schnaff and um, he's, he just gets called for him on the inside and nearly kind of gives up. Um, football got chained on the line by Simply Ned anyway. But um, just small things like that. Like he's kind of, I think he's past his sell by date anyway. Um, and I kind of have a, a bone to pick with him <laughs> as well from uh, a couple of years ago. I had um, a 30-year-old um, anti-post later at the time and um, we'll chat a bit more about the whole concept of anti-post later on but um, I think it was five or six selections across all sports um, American football um, I think I had the Broncos won the Super Bowl against the Panthers I had a few horses at Cheltenham um, which all came up Barr Gerdy, um and Janmerth who went off even money in England for the Grand Slam when um, Eddie Jones first year as, uh, as coach probably shouldn't be saying that uh, it was Thirty or thirty-five year old for fifteen bags, fifteen grand, um. And Garrity was the only
0: one to let me down, so um. Leave it there, I suppose. Yeah, I, I, I recall that well. I was on him as well. It was York Hill. That Everyone being... seemed
1: to be on it. Yeah, and it was yeah. kind of one of those. I think there was only maybe seven or eight runners, and um, it was in the Neptune, um so kind of race over two and a half miles, um, and Barry went wide all the way around and ruby safe ground all the way um on the inside and won by kind of a length and a half i'd say and yeah batteries kind of going around going around the outside those to avoid traffic problems i suppose but um definitely cost us the race yeah just a poor
0: ride. Anyway, poor
1: ride yeah 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 sure that's racing though
0: anyway tell me more about your your recent career into being a sports writer. Uh, do you have any insight for anyone like now that?
1: Um. Well, I, I kind of started off. Uh, I was doing a kind of a betting blog. I kind of started it maybe, just before Christmas last year. Um, I tried to kind of post daily. Um, basically being. Daily selections. Um, like I, I watch it. Bundles of replays. Uh, which is kind of where. Um, you have to go to to get most of your success so i watch maybe 20 or 30 replays a day Um, have a horse tracker watch the replays without volume kind of making notes on any any horse that i like for next time or a horse that was unlucky or uh, might be better in different circumstances over yeah. uh, like say a longer trip or different ground or um, a flatter track or a, a stiffer finish or something like that um, and it's when it comes off it's it's very very satisfying because the work you've kind of put in for three or four weeks before you watching that replay making the notes rewards you when you get paid for backing the horse the next time when it wins
0: yeah I completely understand so like com- taking the time to compile the data through yeah. negative and positive variables and then using that data in favourable to have the inside against the bookies. It's, it's, a, it's
1: a tough grind, um, but when it comes off, um, it's great, and uh, like you just have to be very, very disciplined about it. I suppose, but um, like I think for the blog, we were well in profit, um, and like that was through college and having to manage that with exams and stuff So like there is there is a case for like you you can go off and do, but it. it's just kind of. How hard do you want to work at it, you know.
0: Yeah, and no, I definitely understand. I remember even like texting you like, I'm, as a person who, my knowledge on on horse racing is very limited. Like I know enough to have a conversation, but I've actually taken down a few questions that I want to ask you because I want to learn more. Yeah, so yeah. So for if there's anyone's listening who doesn't know that much about horse racing, yeah. I'm not claiming to be an expert. Yeah, I'm no, absolutely not. Shoot. Um. So the concept of handicapping. I know there's. Uh. So when looking at a horse let's say on, on paddy or before, if, if you're thinking about having a punt there's a weight there's a weight below the price I just don't understand that so is it depending on depending on the weight of the jockey or how the horse did the last time is there like weights put into uh, the yeah, saddle uh, or
1: what? I'll, I'll, I'll t- tell you now basically um, the
0: most people kind
1: of who are on the fringe of the race or don't follow kind on a daily basis probably aren't that familiar with handicaps because the kinda um class horses they don't run in handicaps, they're they're running graded races or whatever. So say your fucking uh, Native Rivers, um your Gold Cup horses, your champion chase horses, your main, your duvet champion hurdles. Yeah. Um they're all off basically level weight. So you're showing a race It's uh, the best horse wins. Best horse wins, um all all everyone's off the same weight and you, you just fight it out. Uh, the concept of handicapping is kinda of slightly different where there's horses who aren't up to that kind of um grade grade graded scrap graded ability. and um, so they're given um what's called a handicap mark. Um you get that after three runs. So um, you run in kinda of, most people run in kind of maiden maidens up until for the for, for the first three runs yeah you get a handicap mark which is set by an official called the handicapper and uh, he gives you a mark and that determines kind of what how much weight you carry um
0: in, in handicaps for the future is that weight in in the saddle or is yeah, that yeah, weight it's,
1: it's 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 in the saddle um yeah. so it, it, it depends what kind of uh what kind of class of horse you're going up against in a handicap so say if um i'll make it easy for you to so say if i'm given um I'm given a handicap mark of ninety, yeah, and uh you enter a horse that's rated eighty. I carry ten pounds less in the saddle than you do okay yeah that's that's the easiest way get okay, and then your kind of your handicap mark changes by the handicapper um by each run, so say if you run you've a mark of ninety and you win by ten lengths, you're gonna go up in the handicap. Yeah. But if you're kinda beaten out in the back of the car park the handicap will drop you a few pounds. Yeah. But the idea is to kinda even the playing field. Level the playing field exactly and every for the handicapper, his objective is in handicaps to get every horse who's racing to finish beside each other. Yeah. And then the puzzle the puzzle as a punter is to pick out the well handicapped horses who are have kinda a few pounds in hand yeah. Weight wise. And that, that's the challenge
0: so it's just try and pick out like basically basically the
1: the, the the best treated horse yeah who's basically who's on a mark that you think should be higher in the future
0: yeah so it's almost like kind of ruby it's uh like if like a handicap it's wrong yeah it's yeah, the same,
1: it, it's, it's the same it's, thing but it's uh, it's a lot harder
0: yeah 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 i, um, I can imagine so yeah um so uh one thing like i was always curious about like watching like michael o'leary and i remember there was a stage. Uh, maybe this time last year between him and like William Mullins over like training fees mm-hmm. um, what's the relationship like to the horse like in terms of the interest like is it once the horse is passed over into the trainer he has like control like pretty much control like up until race day and then obviously the rewards are obviously in the owner's favour but like in terms of like how autocratic or does it does it fluctuate depending on what owner I like What's, who gets to choose the jockey
1: yeah from my experience it's kind of um, symbiotic relationship as in most trainers prefer um, the owners to take a back seat and just um, let them take care of everything let them kind of plan the races um, and it kind of generally works best that way especially like if you're getting kind of on the lower grade stuff if I bought a horse for 10 grand and I'm up the trainers are sir. Like we need to win a race with this guy because I need to get my money back. It just doesn't really, doesn't really work like that. You kind of need to, um, give the trainer a bit of time, um, yeah, and just kind of um, let your horse settle into things, um, and like if, at the end of the day, your trainer wants to win races as much as anyone, and um, so it's it's kind of best to leave it down to him.
0: Okay, and um one thing from the christmas racing i know as we as we touched on there was a lot of upsets does that give great scope now for anti post cheltenham bets
1: yeah well the idea behind anti post is um, you're kind of backing things long in advance and and you're hoping that your selections go off a shorter price and then when you back them but it's kind of like you're putting on two bets as in you're backing your horse to first of all show up at cheltenham and then you're back in it to win. Yeah. So uh, it can be a tricky at times, um but um, you can find some value as well um particularly like kinda horses that have ran in the same races like kind of every every year you're not you know that's gonna be their target. Um, and if you can see a race is gonna cut up as well, um the price are only gonna shorten. Like I think there's um, Apples Jade is five to four with Paddy Power for the Mares hurdle. Um, and Altior is kinda of twos on for the champion chase, like keep tipping away at that every week, fivers and teners, it's it's a way of saving, you know.
0: Yeah. So yeah, it's just basically a bet within a bet, but it's kind of reflected in the because there is a lot of external variables. There is a lot of external it's variables. It's not like Paddy or Paddy are going to refund your bet. No,
1: it's, if if your horse doesn't show up you've you've done your conquers. Um, yeah. most uh, most bookies kinda for instance, they'll do, non one wanna know about, on the top four, the championship races, so um, the Gold Cup, the Stairs Hurdle, um, the Champion Chase and the Champion Hurdle, but that'll be singles only, um, and it's not really something I kind of get into, if if I do my conquers, I do my conquers, I know, I know what I'm getting into.
0: Yeah, but like usually it is reflected in the prize? Uh,
1: yeah, 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 because...
0: Yeah, so it's just a it's just a two so it's just two part gambling, a two part gambling. Yeah, so like yeah. yeah, you're almost like a half onto like half of the bet is in if the horse uh, gets to the gets to the
1: gets the race. Yeah, the gets to the start of the race.
0: Yeah. Um. One thing I do want to uh, touch on is that, like, potentially a slightly controversial, but um, like just leeway for like collusion and like crookedness in horse racing, like. From your experience you did say you watch like twenty or thirty horses uh, horses a day like races, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah sorry, horse races a day. Um, is there times that you look at horses being pulled up and you know that there's some there's some external force that like it let's say it like it wasn't a fair run?
1: Definitely. Um, I'd like to be kind of a glass half full and say the majority races are fine, and um, but you do see things, um where it is kind of uh, blatant um the stewards at the race courses they do kind of look into things um so f- for me I, w- I watch the replays and then um the stewards generally re- release a stewards report kind of 10-15 minutes after the race which goes online um and that's open to the public as well for anyone to read so like when i do my research at night I'll be watching the replays and then I'm also clicking on to the stewards report to see if, if um, there's any comments, So they'll ask the trainer uh, why did the horse run so poorly and um, most of the kind of answers are um, background or uh, just was never traveling or sometimes the vet will take a look and there's he busted, burst a blood vessel or something but on the other side of that there um, there has been cases where like it, it's just blatant and um, away kind of like it's it's way easier for people to to lose a horse race than win it so if you're going on to um, the betting exchanges I'm not sure if you're familiar with like Betfair or Betfair yeah. you can kind of there watching those kind of five minutes until the off up until right until the off is kind of a, a massive time very crucial time because if a horse opens up two to one um, and drifts to kind of five to one and you, you know there's certain stables that are kinda renowned for laying the horses as in backing the horses not to win. Um, it's generally not a good sign. But um it most of the racing is fine, um and every, everything's trying. Um and you kinda get used to it as well. Like if you're having a bet at Cheltenham, you know everything's absolutely trying because the prize money is ridiculous. Whereas if you're having a bet at Lower grade track on a Monday, yeah. Um,
0: the 515 at Dundalk, like,
1: well, you you just just get used to it, I suppose. And if you're having a bet that like you kind of have to factor that in as well, you know. But I I do most of my betting, um, very closely off anyway, so um, yeah, you're always factoring in though.
0: So is like almost like stay away from smelly races, like,
1: no, no, I wouldn't say that. It's just, um, you're asking me kind of the crookedness and stuff, um, it's it's more likely to happen in the level of grade stuff
0: okay yeah no, I know, understand yeah I understand yeah because it's almost it's like it's more low key as well so but
1: like imagine you had a horse um, and like generally as well when kind of Irish trainers are sending horses over to England they're always kind of very over bet um, there's certain trainers who are kind of definitely this season I don't want to say any names but like you can you'll be able to look it up yourself Um horses kinda of set, set send over to the lower grade tracks in England, open up kinda of two, three to one fives uh, the night before in the morning of the race and then kinda of after races, um, flick it on. A minute before the race he's out to six or seven to one. Um so basically people are laying laying the horse on the exchanges, which is causing the horse horse's price to go out, um and then it's kinda of tailed off at the back of the tally and the people involved with the horse get paid but it it doesn't happen too often like I said and uh, most of it's all in good spirits.
0: okay that's interesting because I would have thought it wouldn't have been done in terms of laying I would have thought it would have been done in terms of like handicapping as in like deliberately uh, pulling up like horses so then they get well handicapped and are are just like the bookies are like okay this horse is a donkey he's going to be 22s think it's being colluded through the jockey to so yeah no that like we'll uh, go next week like that
1: basically. that kind of happens as well. But see, it's, it's very it's very hard to kind of actually pull pull up a horse with and get and getting away to what uh, kind of the way way around it in in terms of getting a a handy a nice handicap mark is you know a horse's best trip is over two miles, so maybe you run it over two and a half miles and then he runs kind of below average and um, he comes kind of mid or toward the back and the handicapper will drop him a few pounds or um, and then just wait until the next two mile run wait and then you, you you put him in for a two mile race when you know you've got a few pounds in hand um, and have a go but like that's there's nothing illegal about that um, everyone does that and the handicapper knows that people are doing that as well so it's just kind of the name of the game and then the other one is obviously running a horse on ground it doesn't like as well. It's not gonna perform to its best, and you can get dropped that way as well.
0: Yeah, fair. So, so more... I wouldn't.
1: I wouldn't say it's kind of let's pull like pull the horse and uh, be dropped a few pounds. It's more kind of using the bad conditions to your advantage for another day.
0: Okay, my thought process would have, it would be if it was like colluded between like okay. Uh, his price is like he, let's say he's 4 to 1 like and there's a, there's a couple of other good horses that could easily beat him even if he tried his best so we'll collude with the jockey to like hit, to make him run shite and then yeah, well, he might be twelves next week in a, a week it's a race it's
1: a tough one because like it's like evening. when you're chatting to people um nights out or whatever you're, you're just chatting racing um like every, everyone wants to win the race there can only be Kind of, they can only be one winner. Yeah. And Most most owners and stuff in racing, they don't punt They're just kind of, uh, there for the ride. They they love the game. Um. So they they want their horse to, to perform to its best, every day. Um. But at the at the big festivals and stuff, that you if you troll through the form, you'll see that there's, um, like I said, kind of using the conditions to your advantage for for a future race, which is which is fine, and and everyone does it.
0: Okay, and uh, quickly before we move on, um, any tips for Cheltenham now that the whole like anti-post window?
1: Um, Angel's Breath, um, is a horse trained by uh, Nicky Henderson. It was really impressive the week before Christmas, winning the uh, Supreme Trial. Um, I think it was at Ascot. Um, and the ground was kind of soft that day as well. Um, on Angel's Breath, through the horse called Danny Kerwin he who's held in. Very high regard uh, with the Paul Nichols yard, um, and just the way he went through the race traveled ridiculously well. Um, Danny Curran kind of got a soft lead, and the way Angel's Breath kind of went past him um, looks like a serious, serious horse, um, and the Supreme as well. Um, Anna Mix, who was kind of the main anti-post uh, favorite before um, Limerick last week, where he's beaten. Um, so it looks kind of like Angel's Breath will start close to favourite. Um, 7, 8 to 1 now. I can only see it getting shorter. And, um, yeah, no, this could be a serious horse.
0: So Angel's Breath in the...
1: Supreme is the first race in Cheltenham on the first day. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. Get get us off to a nice start. Yeah, um, definitely. And then my other anti um, uh, I'm deep enough in Claremont for the Challenge Cup. Um, I got them at Even Money. Um maybe three or four weeks ago they're kind of four to seven shot now I can't really see anyone getting close to them um, and they're going very well in the top 14 as well um, and then that double kind of Altior and um, Apple
0: Jade is just a way of saving as well if you want to keep tipping away yeah so there we go any listeners that are looking at a nice Antipo's best to work towards you know I definitely agree during Claremont and the further they go in that competition like my only anxiousness towards them Back, let's say if when you backed this was it back in September.
1: No, no, probably three weeks ago. I'd say just just before the the last round of European fixtures.
0: Okay, okay. No, sorry. I thought you had it on earlier. The only anxiousness I would have had about it would be them feeling like feeling a second or third. Ah the no,
1: they're they're well through. Um, they're gonna get the the home home semi. I'd say as well. Um. And, yeah, I just can't see them being beaten.
0: Yeah, they're halfway there, with, yeah, the, yeah, already yeah. with the two, with the home quarter and home yeah, semi yeah, yeah, yeah. in the challenge, like, and yeah. a lot of, yeah, like, I just, he would be the lot
1: well, of shell, probably, but, um, just the brand of rugby time, if playing the top 14 this season, like, and, like they'll blow everything away.
0: I know you're saying that you started a new job as a sports trader. so, how's that going, and any insight to the punting world for us?
1: Yeah, well, um, it's kind of, different in a sense as in like when I first went in there you're kind of thinking um, it's like your opinion matters and so you're pricing up a, a rugby or an American football game and you're kind of crunching the numbers yourself and you're looking at all oh, like I'd have Cowboys minus, minus three for, for the game on the weekend or you're kind of so that's what you're going to set the price at but it, it doesn't really work to, like that you're kind of we get a especially for football like we get our prices from Asia and then you're just kind of um contracting or expanding movements on that so the, the kind of old days of uh, getting your pencil out your pen pen and paper out and um, making the price yourself are kind of gone um but in horse racing it's it's kind of there to a certain extent but just like that's the job I mean um but like on the flip side of that when I'm punting I kind of handicap games, um the old fashioned way for punting, which is like break them down into different kind of brackets. So the first one is kind of statistical, which would be just based on concrete numbers. So for the NFL the likes of your your power rankings or your um in rugby line out success, scrum penalties, that makes a massive difference on, yeah. on, on the on the actual on the actual result. Then you're kind of looking at ana- analytical, which is kind of like the on field matchups. So, um, say you're scrumming against me, there's only gonna I'm gonna be getting scrum penalties. Do you know the kind of yeah. like, just those kind of yeah. uh, those individual matchups or, um, it's it's big in the pack in rugby for for scrum penalties, but also um in the back line if there's just a massive mismatch. Yeah, especially at ten, like I think uh. Hadley Parks was playing a ten for for Scarlett last week, um, and they had a uh, Dan Jones in the bench. Like I, I couldn't get my head around that. Like there's, he's not, he's not an out half at all.
0: No, yeah, and he's actually a world class centre. He's
1: a world class but like, he's a bruiser. He's a twelve. He's a Jamie Roberts. He gets you over the line. He's not. He's not an out half. He's not gonna on the Sexton loop. Like, do you know yeah. what I mean? Oh no, that was madness. Um, so that'll be kind of um the likes of your analytical matchups. Then you're looking at your situational handicapping, which is kind of um, it's kind of subjective. It's based on the on the team on the team versus the team. So, for the NFL, I kind of look at it as in, you're looking at how the teams got on against previous teams who, so you're looking at kind of um how easy was Houston's schedule coming into the playoffs, which is kind of very very easy against maybe the Colts who've uh, had to grind it out a little bit more. Um yeah. so then you're kind of putting is that factor into the price? Maybe not. Um so that would give maybe the Colts more of an advantage from from a betting point of view.
0: Yeah, I understand.
1: Then informational handicapping is fairly fairly straightforward. You're kind of looking at um player news and injuries. Um this is one where you kind of have to tread very very carefully because you're trying to figure out, is it already factored into the price? And I'd say, unless your source is very, very good, um, or you're getting the information, you're the first person to get the information, which is very, very tough to do. And the chances are, your information is already priced into the market already.
0: Yeah, I remember we had that last week with uh, Drew Brees. Yeah. When it was like just released by Adam...
1: Now the Adam Sheffield thing if that was for the Moriota one, but oh, sorry, I was I, was, I was in work, um and we got an email saying that um breeze was doubtful. Um and a lot of the books had the game off off the board means they just took it down. But um three six five had it up for another hour after and they were doing Panthers a plus seven and a half. Yeah. Um which was uh, so it's
0: almost informational versus the clock almost. Exactly,
1: yeah, yeah. But like I said, unless you're kind of in a very, very privileged position and um, or you're very fast to act the information's kinda useless because it's already factored into the price um then the other one I kinda this is another weird one it's kinda it's a tough concept to explain it's kind of recreational um it's probably when people are having a punt and they think they're doing they think they're doing good research or whatever this is kind of the the category it falls under, where it's like um, information that's in the the media or just kind of public public power that would kind of uh, put pressure on a price. I don't know. For example, say um,
0: back in Leicester after three points and Paddy Collins, yeah, runs, like, you, like
1: that. we like you. We talked about that um, a while ago. With the kind of the bias with Irish bookmakers versus English bookmakers on certain club teams, like, yeah, everyone, you're, everyone wants to back to Leinster. Um, but, um, like, that's like the recreational, it's kind of like you don't read too much in it. But like, another good example would be, I don't know, say, uh, Jedward in the Eurovision and like powers are pricing it up. There's going to be, um, Jedward are always going to be kind of maybe. Too short a price, just because of the general public. Everyone knows they're Irish, and they're going to back them anyway. So uh, yeah. you you can kind of afford to kind of nearly.
0: Anyway, I think that will uh, conclude today's episode. But um, thanks, a million, for coming on, and um, you provided some great insight there. So
1: thanks a little colleague, um thanks for having me on, and hopefully get on
0: again soon. Cheers. Yeah, definitely. Cheers, Jake. <laughs>